Hey, I know. I'll use my trusty frying pan as a drying pan. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of Out of the Drying Pan, where each week we discuss typically two episodes of the Pokemon the series anime, but this week we're doing something a little different. Keep in mind, we are an E for Explicit podcast, so viewer and listener discretion is advised. This week, I'm joined by my co-host, Austin. Hello. Hello, Austin. And also, my other co-host, Jacob. That was the ghost of Jacob. Oh my gosh. Don't worry, Jacob's not dead. He's just MIA again this week. Like I said, we are going to be doing something a little bit different this week. We are going to be talking about The Electric Tale of Pikachu, Volume 2, continuing our saga from last week instead of the anime, which we may return to next week. Yes, Austin. For some reason, it's not Volume 2. It's a totally different title. Is it not Volume 2? Isn't it right in front of you? No, it's actually over there. Oh. And I'm covered in laptop cord. Okay, it's called Pikachu Shocks Back. Wait, so it's not called Electric Tail Volume 2 Pikachu Shocks Back? Not in the American release. Don't ask me about late 90s manga publishing. I don't know. That's a doozy. I'm a bad fan. I didn't really look at the cover. I was just like, okay, Volume 2, I gotta read this. (laughs) That's interesting. Okay, well, if you're not familiar with this uh, graphic novel, this is by Toshihiro Ono, released in the late 90s. Is that right, Austin? I guess. It sort of somewhat adapts the early episodes of the anime. It kind of diverts a little bit, which we will discuss in detail. But first, before we do that, let's talk about our weeks with a little segment we like to call Week Talk. Austin, what did you do this week? Anything fun and exciting? Uh, no. Uh, oh my gosh, make something up. Okay, I'm still watching Bleach. How is that going, by the way? Oh my goodness. Um, well, I can't do it sober. I haven't tried yet. <laughs> <laughs> Just have some white wine, you know, like all classy and shit. Very classy. Very classy. I I have like 40 episodes left of the original run. That's pretty impressive. You've made good strides through that, because I think last time we talked, you were like still a little bit behind, but... Yeah. Is this in preparation for a movie or something? Well, I thought we talked about this. They're bringing it back. They're adapting the last storyline into a new animated series. Okay. Yeah. That's why everyone's like... Into it. Yeah. Got it. Hashtag simulcast bleach. That's... Okay. So you did inspire me. I I always do this. Every time Austin says he does something, I'm like, oh, I'll do that too. Inspo. So I've, I've gotten to what? Episode three or four? I've gotten through like 50 episodes in that time. <laughs> Well, I've kind of jumped back and forth. So I don't know if you're familiar with this, but I was watching Bleach, but then I discovered a new series, which kind of sucks because I just found out that they canceled it after the first season, but it's called Night Sky. It's on Amazon. Never heard of it. It's pretty interesting premise. It's um, an elderly couple. It's J.K. Simmons and Sissy Spacek are in it, and they have like a portal to another world in their like backyard in their shed pretty interesting what is this i've never heard of this well i'm i kind of regret sort of putting it out there because like i said it's only one season and then amazon canceled it so if it's on amazon i don't know it exists most of the time 
yeah, I Amazon's not really my like go to watching platform. I mean, they do have really good stuff on there. Like the boys is on there. Suits is on there. I don't know how you feel about suits. <laughs> uh, I know Meghan Markle's on it. Okay, sidebar. I feel really weird. I used to love that show. Obviously, way before she was with Harry and all that shit blew up. I love that show. And it's super weird. I haven't been able to bring myself to watch it ever since the whole Royals thing. Because it's too strange. It's too strange to watch her in there. Anyway, there's got to be something else fun that you did this week. Uh, it's been less than 24 hours since we last recorded. So not much. Well, yeah, you spoiled it. We could have Oh no, I like broke a- I broke the illusion. I know, the illusion of like, oh my god, we actually had a busy, fulfilling week this week. I'm having fun flipping back between different windows and illuminates my face differently. I know, you look like like a horror movie where it's like every time it flashes, like the character gets closer and closer and then it's like it goes dark and when it reappears, they're right in front of you. Ooh, did you see Unfriended? I do not know what that is. It's the one where the entire movie is like like someone's laptop screen. Oh, is it like another Cloverfield? Because I can't deal with that. Kind, Yeah, like you're seeing their webcam. Like oh, God. Their live stream or whatever. And so like she flips between like, you know, she has her cell phone connected to her computer. And she'll flip between that and like Facebook or whatever and Skype. Oh, God. As like some demonic force is killing her and her friends. Is this like paranormal activity where everything is like filmed through the the, the ring doorbell cameras and stuff? Like It's filmed through the webcam camera. Oh, God. Speaking of paranormal activity, and also it almost being spooky season, we have to continue our watching saga of that. I know. I'm always down for a horror movie. You know that. Last year's theme for Austin was the sleepaway camp type horror movies, right? Well, I watched all of Friday the 13th and all of Nightmare on Elm Street. Yeah. Well, those are classics. Those are classic horror movies. The slashers. (laughs) Speaking of... Everything comes back to Ghost because they had a single that was released on Halloween Kills, Hunter's Moon. So go and watch that. I think because of that connection, we have to watch the Halloween movies. I'll watch the good ones and that one just because that song is in it. <laughs> uh, it depends on who you ask. Okay. I Just to preface this, I'm not a super horror fan. I don't go out of my way to watch horror movies. Like only in, at Halloween, which is cliche, but I'm not as big of a fan as you are. I think I'm going to watch The Conjuring Cinematic Universe this year. We'll see. The Conjuring Cinematic Universe? Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. You know Annabelle? No. The Raggedy Ann doll? Oh. Oh, no, but that's scary. I don't like dolls. Dolls are the worst. All right, all right. We'll get back to this uh, later date. Okay, speaking of paranormal slash scary movies, don't forget, we do have to watch Nope. I do still want to watch Okay, yeah. It's okay. out. Yeah. I'm down. We should. Okay. We're going to make it. A, it's a date. It's a date. Electro, Diglett, Nitter, and Mankey. Venusaur, Tata, Fero, Pidgey. Sea King, Jolteon, Dragonite, Gasly. Pony, Tava, Boreon, Polyrath, Butterfree. Catch him, catch him, gotta catch him all. Pokemon. I'll search across the land. Look far and wide. Release from my hand the power that's inside. Venomoth, Polywag, Nidorino, Golduck. Glimmer, Victory Bell, Voltrace, Noodle King, Farfetch, Abra, Jigglypuff, Kingler, Rhyhorn, Clefable, Wigglytuff. We'll just jump into it. We'll just jump right into The Electric Tale Volume 2. That's what I'm going to call it just for ease of transitioning into this. Pikachu shocks back. So let's start. Any any um, opening thoughts on this or any sort of like background info on the graphic novel before we get into it? I know I mentioned it was by Toshihiro Ono. This first chapter, the Ponyta chapter... 
I read that comic book before I saw the episode on TV. Oh, you did? Yeah, so I like the, this manga adaptation of it better than the actual TV episode. Yeah, that that is true. Reading through this one, I think we really start to... Well, there were deviations in the first volume, but I think we really start to have some major differences in this particular volume. I would argue we're actually getting closer to the anime. Because at this point, Misty and Brock are going to join him. Team Rocket's going to appear. That's true, but they do it in wildly different ways than yes, we okay. know. Yeah. So it's, in some ways it, it skews closer, in some ways it diverges. Well, we'll talk about it more in detail. So do you want to kick us off chapter one? All right. With chapter five overall, but chapter yes. one of this volume. <laughs> I wrote it as chapter five. Okay, sorry. For clarification, yes. The human race and the Pokemon race. Ooh. What the fuck is that a reference to? I don't know, but it's a bad title anyway. First things first, Ash's hat has changed. (laughs) (laughs) Not his hat. He changed hats between chapters. I guess his million Mm. postcards came through. I don't know. Now that you say that, like the fact that it, yes, in, in some ways it is getting closer to the anime. And I don't really like it when it does that because I, like we discussed last episode, the way it diverges is cute and interesting. Like it almost, he's Ash, but he's also like a separate character. Like, he's not the Ash that we know from the show. Like, he's half red, half Ash. Like he's it's horny Ash. Horny Ash, yeah. I don't like that they've made them more akin to their anime counterparts, which is really apparent in the last chapter with Misty, but we'll get there. Inter- okay, okay, I'm curious what you're going to say about that. Okay, anyway. Brock, would you say Brock has been de-aged a little bit? He yes. looks like he's a lot younger now. Yes, he's close again, closer to his... He looks like he's a teenager now, as opposed to a grown man. Yeah. He and Ash are in the back of a hover bus. The hover bus returns. The hover bus returns. I love how they travel by bus everywhere. It makes sense. They're not trekking through the wilderness. They actually have a transportation, you know, situation. And Brock says he only has his gym open for a couple weeks at a time before he has some wanderlust. And he has to go (laughs) off and, and, I don't know, sow his wild oats. No mention of his siblings. No forest, no flint, no nothing. None of that. They don't exist. Interesting. Ash, there's an interesting little bit where Ash asked Brock if he can tag along with Brock. Right? I did make a note of that too. He asks, it's the other way around instead of, which makes more sense, right? Like Brock is the older person mm-hmm. already doing his own thing. I like that they have their own lives irrespective of Ash. Like, they're doing their own thing, and it just happens that their paths are running parallel. I do wonder what exactly Brock's doing. Like, where is he going? I guess he's just kind of... Traveling. Dicking around. Yeah. Ash kind of invites him, which is funny, because I'm like, well, wouldn't we be going to gym battles and such? But we don't really see that at all. Mm -mm. Mm-mm. Instead, we are going to Fuchsia City, where there is an annual festival and a series of races that are to celebrate the nomadic tribes independence day the nomadic tribes of kanto you know the the 100 (laughs) plus nomadic tribes who at some point in history were all at war with each other before they eventually settled down and decided to do a dangerous all-terrain pokemon race instead as a ritual props for kind of trying to establish a little bit of lore here versus like what was the show reason it's just like some 
country fair race thing. Oh, like, it was like the the villainous Laramie family who owns all the <laughs> land. Remember, we came up with this whole scenario. <laughs> oh right, yeah. Go back and watch our old episode with the with Laura Laramie. Oh, who's gonna make an appearance? But not as annoying as her show counterpart. Before we get Laura Laramie of the of the Laramie family, oh, we get Misty and the Sensational Sisters. They're in town. They're in town for the festivities. That's fun. I think this is when things start to get really silly and really fun. <laughs> Brock is being annoying to Daisy in particular, giving her a bouquet of vile plume. And the other two sisters are kind of like laughing at Daisy for this, while also laughing at Misty and Ash, who are reuniting. Because, you know, obviously they fight because they love each other. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you write down any of their interactions? Because I thought it was pretty cute, actually. Like, it felt semi-realistic bickering. I would say they did it pretty well in this. I mean, it wasn't, again, like we mentioned last episode, it wasn't as unbearable and horrible as the Takashi Shudo light novel portrayal of their relationship was. It wasn't a lot of, God, Misty, you suck because you're a girl kind of stuff. No, it was very in good fun, kind of like equal sides giving it, back and forth like it wasn't the misogynistic icky whatever was that was going on before and then ash tries to flatter her and he kind of go starts to go too far with it and yeah he's like that felt more realistic what did he say something like oh yeah you'd look better with like plastic surgery or something yeah, yeah, like yeah. that <laughs> i found it to be funny like amusing maybe not like funny hilarious funny but it was like okay amusing as 10 and 12 year olds would bicker back and forth then Brock kind of drops off the face of the planet for the rest of this chapter because <laughs> Misty has another Pokemon challenge for Ash to see which one of them could catch a Tauros first. There's just like herds of Tauros wandering around. I thought the Tauros looked really cool. It did look cool. This is like prime Tauros. This, okay, so on the front cover of the, the novels, it's some sort of little blurb, like in a bubble, it's like, you know, very visually striking novel, you know, with the the art and the graphics and everything. And I tend to agree. Like the Pokemon look really cool. They look very animalistic. It's just an overall really good art style. Ash says, catch the Tauros. Doesn't it already belong to someone? Misty says, I don't see a number on it. Do you? Oh, the little Pokeball numbers? Yeah. That, yeah, that was cute. I'm noting that. Yep. They end up in some deep shit, deep Toro shit, because <laughs> Laura Laramie and her Ponyta got to save them from the Toros eventually. She already has her arm in a sling and a bandage around her head because she has been injured and won't be able to take part in the race, even though she's won in the past two years. So I'm like, well, she's already won. Does this really matter? They didn't, like, set any, like, reason for us to really care about her winning other than just the pride of it all. Because, like, it wasn't like, oh, she needs the money. She needs the grand prize. Because we see she's seemingly, in this, part of one of the nomadic tribes who travel in tents. Right. Yeah. So I'm like, okay, that there could have been something with that. But there wasn't. I mean, she's just the, the village darling. You know, she's the favorite to win and, you know, has always... I don't know. She's obviously, like... The good girl. Like, she's the town's pride and joy. Of course, then we were introduced to Dario via televised interview. Like, Jumbotron televised in interview with him. Yeah, he is the, the villain character, clearly. 
and we see some exposition people who are sitting around saying like god that dario is such a creep he <laughs> he's the one who knocked laura off her ponyta because she he scared the ponyta with a meowth which is interesting because uh, this isn't team rocket's meowth it's just a meowth yeah so let's let's talk about that real quick for context so this as it compares to the show so like you mentioned before Laura is already injured as opposed to like in the show where she becomes injured and then Ash has to step in. Like this has already happened in the past and Dario jumped out with a meowth and like scared the thing, the ponyta with the coin on its head. That's why it bucked her off versus I think if I remember right in the show, Team Rocket. He hired Team Rocket as his Oh, that's right. If I remember correctly. But in this, yeah. he has a whole goon squad of Doduo riders to follow <laughs> his orders. <laughs> I love that. Which makes more thematic sense, because he has a Dodrio. I'm glad for that. You know, Team Rocket not being involved until, like, later on. Like, this other stuff is happening without their involvement. Real quick, one other thing I wanted to note is the, the Ponyta itself. It's a thoroughbred Ponyta. And normal Ponyta have orange fur. But this one is special. It has white fur. I thought that was interesting. Mm-hmm. The ponytail we know and love is already has the white coat. But normal ones technically don't have that. They're like orangey. I guess to be like like an orangish tinge to them. Like an undercoat. Yeah. We know how much you love horses. Austin's favorite animal uh, is horses. <laughs> I respect horses from a distance. Yes. You can have a healthy respect for, for animals as yes. one should. If, if horses were on fire... I, it would be a different story. It would n- put those things out. This is very Ghost Rider. Oh my gosh. You love Ghost Rider. I love Ghost Rider. I know that's it's such a campy, dumb movie. I no, you don't it. even love Ghost Rider. You love 2005 Nicolas Cage Ghost Rider specifically. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Nicolas Cage was... Pr- okay, this is really ridiculous. I'm, I'm thinking back to like teenage me who was thinking oh this is such an edgy movie and Nicolas Cage was like badass with his flaming skull head and then Sam Elliott was there and it was just I don't know it was everything my stupid teenage wannabe gothic self wanted to be Ghost Rider is a great fucking visual he's a he's a man with a skull on fire he's so like edgy and stupid i love it he's like got his stupid motorcycle jacket with the okay the part where the spikes come out of his shoulder pads (laughs) when he transforms and the chain it's so stupid i love it so much have i shown you the woolly mammoth ghost rider no but i want to know more because that sounds amazing all right well that'll be for a ghost rider cast okay out of the flaming pits of hell i don't know and he's got his pendant stare and it's just so ridiculous you should watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. for more live-action Ghost Rider, Alex. Okay, I will. Anything with Ghost Rider. Honestly, it deserves another movie. But I don't know. It wouldn't have the same effect if Nicolas Cage isn't going to be in it. All right, all right. Let's get back. Let's get back. Let's go. Okay, sorry. I'm, I've gone off onto a crazy tangent. <laughs> okay, Ponyta. Raining Ash is, Ash is on the Ponyta. back in. Ash is on the Ponyta, and the race begins. Oh, you didn't acknowledge my horse pun. Okay. Oh, I didn't even hear it. What was it? I talked over you. Rain it in. Ayo. Is that Ayo. our episode title? Yep. Maybe. All right. Now we're racing. We're racing. racing. We're racing. We're racing. Yep. There's really not much to say. They're <laughs> running <laughs> for a while. Uh, Team Rocket is not interfering because they don't exist yet. Nope. 
And instead, uh, it's implied that Dario's people are occasionally, like, knocking people to their deaths from the top of a mountain. Yeah, Because we, oh we hear God. someone scream, ah, in the distance. I'm like, well, that person's dead. Well, Ash makes a comment. He's like, oop, looks like somebody, like, fell. Oh my and I was gosh. like, people are dying. Yes, and this is the last year they're doing the race because it's so <laughs> dangerous, dangerous and seemingly fatal. Um, okay, just a quick thought. Is it dangerous and fatal just in general, or is it only because of Dario sabotaging them? Because that's what he's doing. He's actively sabotaging all the other racers. So I think it's him. It didn't seem particularly dangerous. Like, you're going across a flat landscape, then you gotta go across, like, a water portion, then you gotta go up a mountain. Okay, in the show, they are following the racers with, like, what are they, like, in hot air balloons or, like, cameras and stuff? There's just cameras on them and we don't see how. Okay, maybe I made up the hot air balloon thing. But this one, I mean, it is being televised. There's, like, two announcers who are, like, following the race somehow. But they mention that this mountain that they have to get to the top of to get the flag is covered in a thick layer of fog. So no they can't can see. see anything, right? So mm-hmm. clearly that's how Dario's been getting away with killing people. So they falsely believe that it's like a treacherous path, but anyway. I mean, yeah, I guess it is treacherous if people are falling off. Maybe... Because of him. He's just accelerating the process. Yeah. Okay, there's this really scary part where Ponyta and Ash and Pikachu all fall off and they all have to hang on by Ash's little fingertips with Ponyta hanging on to Ash for dear life. How much does that ponytail weigh, you think? We're not going to talk about Pokemon weights. Okay, yeah. Dario's goon squad sends out a whole bunch of Blastoise and a war turtle and a cute little squirtle that nearly kill Ponyta. Oh, no. But it's okay, because Ponyta has a vision of Laura, and off-panel evolves into a Rapidash. And it's actually really cute, because the audience sees Ash and the Rapidash come in, and they start to chant, Catch him, catch him, catch him, catch him. Because I guess everyone knows Dario is a dirty, lying, cheater, and murderer. Yep. Ash wins. The end. Good job. Oh, oh, one other thing to note that I thought was interesting. When they are fighting, the swift attack that Pikachu uses, I thought that was clever. Basically, the way the Pokemon, or at least Pikachu does swift, is it bites off hairs on its fur, like its coat, and it spits them as, like, little hairballs that are like the swift stars that's how it does swift i know isn't that adorable i don't know i just i thought that was an interesting take on the move swift yeah it's part of his move set here yep so i mean pretty basic pretty close i'd say to the original show with some adjustments basically adjustments to make it more dark and edgy yeah i liked it better actually it was much better than the actual episode the actual episode we were not very impressed with no, except for the part where I think we were talking about in detail how she broke her arm and we were like analyzing frame by frame like, oh yeah, when she fell and hit her elbow, it like the screen flashed red and that's how we knew her arm was broken. <laughs> I'm surprised in this Dario didn't come up with a tire iron and beat her after death. I know. She wasn't really a central figure at all in this um, adaptation. It was mostly Ash and the race. Mm-hmm. These are really quick little segments. They're not very long or in-depth it's a very short read all right which episode is going to be adapted into a much stronger manga adaptation next chapter two or six depending on how you look at things i didn't label them do you have the title to evolve or not to evolve that is the question oh very shakespeare 
finally, when I understand. <laughs> okay, so this chapter, it's cuts to some other unspecified time in the future where Ash and Brock are now on their way to Seafoam Islands. But Misty's there, I guess, because they're coming out of the Fuchsia City together. And she suggests stopping at Stone Town on Dream Island. Dream Island? That sounds like a curvy destination. I know. <laughs> I was thinking that. I'm like, this sounds like a Mario thing or like Kirby thing. It's very boring, Dream Island. But she has an evolutionary stone that she wants to get there. So that's why she wants to go. Remind me, if you remember, is that the name of the town in the show too? It was Stone Town, right? Or something I like that. I think it was Stone Town, but it was like located in like a mountainous foresty area. Like, you know, 99.9% of Kanto is. Right. They moved it to an island. Which is fine. But anyway, they all go there. And I wanted to ask you real quick. There was a couple parts. Were any of the panels here censored? Absolutely. I need you to tell us about that because... All right. Could you just tell just by looking? I could tell. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. I, okay. Here's what it actually was. Here's... Okay. The big debut of Misty's suspenders and jorts and like crop top look. Whoa. Yeah. She's got the... <laughs> Keep in mind... Okay. I know this is... Again, this is an audio-based podcast, so you can't see what Austin has sent in You the can chat. Google and find this very easily. She's 12 years old. Yes. She's got the body of like, like a twenty-five-year-old like. No, that's not a twenty-five-year-old woman. Look at the proportions of her hips and her waist. It's, it's impossible. Like, her. It's very sexualized. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know how else to say it. Like, it's clear. It's very clear that he is a pornographic artist. Yes, like her little jorts are like basically a, a string bikini kind of situation holy going camel on. toe just saying yeah <laughs> okay in real life nobody's boobs point up towards the sky oh they just don't saying. i thought they did no. they don't just like ascend to the heavens no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah this i mean yeah i i knew for sure i'm like okay some of these panels are definitely censored there's a, like another panel too where she's like grabbing his hand and i'm pretty sure they cover her leg and backside with like a checkered pattern but it was clear to me that that was a fill because she's wearing these like booty shorts instead oh so. my gosh and it's funny because they don't change the boys the boys are oogling her or ogling no. her it's <laughs> odd it doesn't this look like a... the misty we know <laughs> this is a novel for children yep yes this has got to be targeting like a young teen audience i think is what we're going for here, right? Some some sexually awakened, like, young teenagers. All right, we got more sexuality to come. Okay, let's move on. Should I just interject as they come up? Yes, please <laughs> okay. do. Again, this whole Ash and Misty dynamic, they're pestering each other. It's cute. Ash is trying to eat lunch. Misty's quizzing him and stealing all his food when he fails the annoying tests that she keeps giving him. There was one cute part where he's trying to name off all the, the different evolutionary stones. And he says, like, Thunderstone, Waterstone, Moonstone, and the Rolling Stones. Ayo. <laughs> Ay. Misty starts window shopping. And this part was interesting. It kind of gave me Digimon vibes. And I know we probably talked about this before because I vaguely remember that. But she says something like, if you use a bad stone, I've heard that your evolution can go bad. What would that even be? What would that even look like? It has to mean, like illness like it would die like 
Yeah. It causes not, like, cancer or something. Not not growing a third head or something like that. I mean, that'd be way cooler, but... Yeah. I imagine realistically it would just be like... I mean, realistically, as you can get with magical creatures that metamorphosize using magical stones. But you know what I mean. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what I always think of when I think of bad evolution. Skull Greymon. That's right. Suddenly, a boy with an Eevee runs up to Misty and says, hey, I see you're, like, looking at all those stones. Here, have this. And then he runs off. And Misty's like, what is this? And she opens it up, and it's a very expensive three-piece evolution stone set, which is a very generous gift. And we find out that this particular set belongs to a group called the Knights of E-Stone. And a local guide, I guess, or club member, I'm not really sure, tells them that this is an exclusive club slash membership where only people who own Pokemon that can evolve via stone can join. Oh my gosh. Okay, look at the far right image in this. That, okay, this is another example. I was going to ask you that too. So this tour guide lady, you want to explain what's happening here? No, I think you can explain what's happening here. Okay, (laughs) way to throw me (laughs) under the bus. Okay, so there's like a full body shot of this tour guide lady. In the censored version, she's wearing kind of like a, how would you describe this? Like a a leotard with like shoulder pads. I think it got further censored in the English version. It's like a, it's a dark leotard with kind of shoulder pads, kind of like a sci-fi looking outfit. Okay, I, I found the American version right here and she's wearing like a dress. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So in the version that we read, she's wearing a dress, a very nondescript dress with the same kind of pointy shoulder pads. In the left side image, it's like the leotard that we were talking about, but there's also a panel with her ass and there's like a giant pokeball on it. But the other version that you sent, Austin, which version is that? That must be from the Japanese magazine release. Okay. Well, in that one, it's the leotard, but she's got giant pokeball, like Madonna cones on her boobs. Wait, do you not own that outfit, Alex? I don't. Oh, okay. Well, I do. I I always wear that. How silly of me. I'm not a very fashion-forward person, so clearly I'm behind in the trends. Yeah, there's... there's (laughs) I would encourage everyone to look this up because it's just... I can't can't do it justice trying to explain it. It's distracting. It's It's very... It's very... And you can see the censorship every single time. Yeah, because they basically just draw, like, blocky shapes around the characters bodies to cover up the boobs and everything and then they just sort of like ink it in it's like one big giant black blob shapeless blob yeah but again they keep the ash they keep the folk tight focus on her ass well they i think they can't really do a whole lot about that because that would completely screw with the paneling and like the size proportions they still have to keep it the same they can't rearrange the entire thing just as long as they make sure we still have ash and brock drooling and being annoying that's the most important (laughs) part to keep in this material intended for very young audiences we're not going to fashion shame this is obviously a more futuristic and accepting society body positive society no i'm gonna i'm gonna shame ash and brock for their being unable to focus when they're okay admittedly if this woman came out and she wore this sci-fi leotard outfit with pokeballs on her breasts i'd be like whoa the circus is in town, but <laughs> she wasn't wearing that. <laughs> I mean, I guess for her job that she's doing, which is just like, what, passing out informational pamphlets, it's a little bit distracting because it doesn't, 
the outfit doesn't fit the job. (laughs) (laughs) Regardless, it's interesting. The secret society, Ash and Misty and Brock decide to sneak into one of their meetings. God, there's... For no, they're such busybodies. I can't stand them most of the time. Yeah, because, well, I mean, to be fair, it's not very secret because they had, like, a sign outside the building where it was, like, secret meeting in progress or something. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. Clearly, these people are clowns because their outfits are absurd and their whole mentality is absurd. They're kind of scary, kind though. Like, they sneak in. Mikey's getting lambasted by these people. Like, he doesn't want to evolve his Eevee. His brothers and the rest of the cult members are there like, well, you should be stoned for that. Like, it kind of gets insane. Brock says Jacob's favorite word. Which is? This is a cult. Yeah, it is a cult. Damn it. Too bad Jacob's not here. I know, he missed out. God. We'll catch him up later. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. He's going to read these. He's going to have some thoughts to contribute. So instead of allowing the mob to incite physical violence, Ash jumps in and helps try to defend Mikey, um, saying, you know, there's nothing wrong with Pokemon not evolving, and if you like them the way they are, then good for you. And Brock then proposes a face-off between Eevee and its evolved forms, and if Mikey can win, then they should leave him the hell alone. So Mikey is like, okay, so they all accept those terms. They decide to have a battle later on, the next day, whenever. And Mikey invites the the twerps back to his giant opulent mansion house. I loved Brock's comment about this. Which is what? Free Reuben board, yet again. Uh, Fortune (laughs) smiles upon us. Yeah, at least Brock is aware that they have this incredible luck that doesn't typically, like, befall people. Well, when you go around poking your fucking nose into everyone's business all the time, everywhere, every time, things happen. You know, isn't that, like, just sort of the old adage of, like, you know, act like you belong and people will just sort of, like, accept you? You get to live in a giant mansion for a night. I mean, yeah, the the confidence is key. Pretend and act like you belong there and people will just accept you into that group like that's the key the, they meet the brothers the crazy brothers that we also meet in the show adaptation who look way crazier in this i really like their designs a lot better in this actually because they weren't wearing like their like ballerina outfits oh <laughs> they were wearing like like stylized jacket uh like what were they like athletic outfits well i don't know what's going on Every brother was, like, ripped, though. They had, like, this, the very toned, muscular bodies with their, like, skin-tight sort of muscle shirts on. So the panel in the book was sort of cut off, and I couldn't remember the third brother's name. So there's Rainier, Pyro, and... Is it Sparky? Or was that the Pikachu? I thought, ah, Sparky. I don't know. Uh, uh, Sparkler. I can't remember. It was cut off. I don't know why. Um, bad panel layouts. Yeah. Maybe it was Sparky. Human named Sparky? How can I not find this guy? Electric brother? It is Sparky. Oh my god. And that's also the name of Richie's Pikachu, right? Yes. Oh, silly. Okay, so Rainier is the only one with like a normal name. They mistake Misty for Mikey's girlfriend. And there's kind of this whole part where she has an inner monologue about, well, maybe I do have a thing for younger men. Ugh. So weird. That was weird. It was a little bit conceited of her, too, I think. She was like, well, oh my gosh, of course he likes me. He can't just be nice to her. It's got to be a crush th- situation. But Mikey explains that he doesn't want Eevee to evolve. And he kind of mentions something interesting in that sometimes Pokemon's personalities can change upon evolution. 
I thought that was interesting. But I guess that's true. That does happen because we do see that with Charmander um, and Charizard. Do we have any other examples of that? Like huge personality changes? Mamoswine. Oh, right. I mean, like currently, though. Raboot? Currently. That is currently. That's Journeys. No, but like oh, where oh, we are oh, now. Not cur- <laughs> so not currently. In the past, you mean. Up to Orange Islands, aside from Charizard. Up to Orange Islands. Um, no, I can't think of any. Okay. Yeah, I mean, we've got, like, Inteleon, Raboot, Mamoswine. It does happen later. So I guess that, okay, there's a precedent then. All right, so they have a battle. He has to face off between, like, all the brothers and then Ash. Like, Ash is able to battle in tandem with Mikey some for some reason. I actually thought that made a lot of sense because his Pikachu is not evolving to Raichu. Ah, okay. I was, that was my logic for that one. All right, I can accept that. It makes sense. Ash handily beats Vaporeon and Flareon, but then the team or the cult members sort of step in and they're like, well, this defeats the purpose. Mikey has to actually battle. You can't just carry this for him. I love this whole part. This part was great. Not to mention, again, I'm going to shout out to the art. Eevee is adorable. All the evolutions are really cool looking, I thought. <laughs> they were. They were. That was the coolest they've ever looked. I wish they looked like this all the time. That's the coolest they probably ever will look. <laughs> it reminded me of what they looked like on the card art. The yes. Pokemon trading card from back in the day. Yeah. They look badass. Like, as much as, like, a small cat-like Pokemon, sort of feline-esque. What are they? Are they cats? Are they dogs? Are they... I thought they were, like, fox creatures. A vulpine? Is that right? Yeah, I guess more fox-like than anything. They're, the brothers are really dramatic. They say the word damnation twice. I thought that was funny. Like, taste the flames of damnation. It was very dramatic. <laughs> Ooh, that's a, that's a bad word. Yeah, well, Ash actually calls it out. He's like, they really say that a lot, don't they? So Mikey actually has a good strategy. It doesn't seem very effective, but Evie only knows tackle and reflect. Ash is like, well, hold them off. And then he kind of calls a timeout and stops the battle. And they let him use one technical machine tm during the battle which looked really cool yeah let's talk about this a little bit i really love the portrayal of the the technical machines in this versus the stupid cd rom that's <laughs> like in the okay game. so in the games they're cd roms and one and one of them you like put it on a pokemon's forehead and go like click yeah and, <laughs> and it learns the move how does that, like, work? Because I, I would think, like, you'd put the Pokeball, you'd put the Pokemon in the Pokeball and set it on some kind of machine at the Pokemon Center, and then you'd slide the CD-ROM into the machine, and it would download the move. Like, that makes sense, mm-hmm. right? That would make sense, but we've never seen that ever. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, that's how I envisioned it, thinking of it as, like, a CD-ROM. But this adaptation of it is like a box... And Ash, like, takes it apart, and then he holds the two pieces, like, around Evie's head, and it sort of magically beams into his forehead, and he learns the move. It's like a powdery substance. It's like sparkles. So does he inhale it? Is it like... So that wasn't, like, energy particles. That was, like, a powder. I I don't know how technical... I don't know Tia mechanics. Okay, so you're saying that it could have been a powder that he inhaled. It looks like it went into his head. Like his forehead. Yeah. Maybe it went into his ears. He does have big ears. But as we well know, not all Pokemon have ear holes. 
<laughs> look, yeah, look where at are Pikachu. Pikachu's ear holes? He doesn't have ear holes. He has ears, but there's no holes for sound to travel right. through. Right. How does that work? I don't know. It's a mystery that plagues me even to this day. <sighs> anyway, this is kind of, this is a really good move by Ash because they continue to do the whole reflect, wearing down Jolteon. Jolteon looks really cool when it does its pin missile attack. Its butt spikes come out and start facing forward. That was fun. And then Eevee learned Mimic. So it mimics Jolteon and wins. Shades of Chloe's Eevee. I wonder if it took if they took any inspo from that. I wish. I no. don't think so. No way. Like no way. That's too obscure. I don't know. Mimic just makes sense for Eevee. I mean, it's the whole shtick is like DNA and like form changing and whatever. Potential. Potential, yeah. Anyway, it was a really good battle. I like the art. Mikey wins. They accept him into the cult. And he doesn't have to evolve Eevee. So everybody wins. Everybody's happy. And now it's time for Austin's sex corner. Ooh. Bow chicka wow wow. Refer back to the image I sent to you previously. The, the one I've had on Bulbapedia. Which one? Uh, the one with the lady with the Pokeball boobs. Okay, I see it. In one of these images, we can see Brock relaxing in a jacuzzi. And a naked maid in an apron comes to join him. Oh, yeah. Yep, that's one. I don't know what she's saying, but I wish I did. But that got censored. Yeah, let me... Okay, let me expand this because... Yeah, why is she holding her breasts like that? Well, I mean, that's what women do. They just grab their breasts and push them together and push them forward. Right. For the male gaze. That's what women do, mm, obviously. Obviously. Have you ever seen a pornographic Japanese comic book before? Not as many as I probably should have, I guess, at this point. All right. Well, that got censored. The other one is a two-page sequence in which Misty is bathing in a hot spring and thinks, hmm... What if I evolve my boobs with this evolution water? So she takes her boobs and puts them out for them to get soaked in the water. Oh, and my Ash, God. And then Ash, Brock, and Mikey appear and be like, we love mixed gender bathing situations. That got entirely removed. Yeah, that mm, completely irrelevant and also weird, but okay. Yep. Oh, God. Chapter three. Chapter three. Pikachu's Excellent Adventure. I got that one. I got that reference. Excellent adventure? Bill and Ted. Oh. Oh. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's a stretch. It's like almost as bad as our episode titles. Uh, we do try, okay? We, we try. We can't. You can't say we don't. Right. Just so the audience knows, we typically just come up with these episode titles. Like, we do a little round table either before or after. We try our best. All right. This chapter, there's a lot going on. Yeah. There's a lot happening. This is like all of our dreams come true in a way. This was insane. All right, let's do a roll call of everyone who's here. Sound off. So today, our three twerps are at a Pokemon Center. A really cool Pokemon Center. A really cool Pokemon Center where it's a huge, like, uh, meeting ground for various Pokemon trainers to gather and communicate, which I think is really cool. I think I kind of enjoy the Pokemon anime at its most when it's these kind of scenarios where it's like several different people interacting with each other, coming at it from different perspectives. Obviously, we don't get a lot of this here, but we do in, say, the black and white anime where there's a ton of different characters around at all times. For quick context, so this Pokemon Center is kind of like, they do make the, the distinction between your typical average just like 
hospital type Pokemon Center where you can go and, you know, rest your Pokemon. But then there's also these, like Austin said, gathering grounds. Like it's a Pokemon Center, but it's also like a hotel slash convention center slash theater. And it's like a huge meeting area where all these trainers can come and sort of collaborate or get together and make cameos yeah make cameos right exactly all right let's get through these cameos yes duplica and ditto are doing performance which missy thinks is really cool and she wants her own ditto neat giselle and joe are in the audience and are (laughs) confused about when duplica makes a mighty morphin power rangers reference because it's 1990s Ash and Brock are off growing out with their new friends. Okay, this was the best part. This was the best part. AJ and Samurai. Yay! Do we want to comment on their physical appearances? Absolutely. Duplica, Joe, and Giselle are pretty one for one. Yes. But not these guys. Holy crap. These, I I actually prefer extremely the sort of adaptation that they've made AJ and Samurai into. Like, Samurai is an adult man who's like, british or something (laughs) he's like he has like a few lines it's very brief but he's like indubitably or verily or some whatever bullshit he starts spouting off he's like a very posh samurai and aj is a grown man aj looks cool he looks really cool aj looks like a bleach character like (laughs) (laughs) they made his hair look cool which is amazing and he's not like a country sadistic bondage character like he's just like an like an older guy yeah he's sitting around saying like oh and there's this like they're shooting the shit like you said they're swapping like stupid stories and he gives them a a quest he's like i've heard this rumor of this pokemon paradise but he's like a normal well-adjusted person as far as we see right because these are very quick glances i thought it was fun and we got to see a lot of characters i like the um the fact that well we can recognize them because we saw the show, but also the little off to the side from the panels, they put like an arrow, like Giselle, arrow, Joe, Samurai, like just in case you didn't know who these people were. And also there's little notes throughout this being like, be sure to check out the Pokemon cartoon oh, VHS tapes. Right. <laughs> it was really funny. <laughs> okay, sorry. I was, I got off on my little soapbox keep going no this is i wonder how this came to be did toshihiro on ono be like okay i want to get like every episode in here probably or did someone tell him you got to do more episodes than this man i don't know or was he just having i think he was just having fun i wish we knew the creative process i want to know every detail about the production of this series every i want like a tell-all maybe we should write to him and be like can you please give us some background we do a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Excuse you, we're English-speaking Americans, and we would like to know everything. Toshihiro Ono's agent, if you're listening, call us. We'd like to I know. I know you are. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so we end up with various quests. Misty and Duplica are going to go off in one direction on a floating bus and go catch a ditto, while Ashbrock, AJ, and Samurai are going to go off in some other random direction on a floating bus, and they're going to find... The hidden Pokemon village where there's level 100 Charizards and stuff. Cool. I love this because it's very like playground rumory. It is. I love it. Go to the secret garden behind Dill's house. Go find Mew under the truck. Yes. That's the exact vibe I got. This is so fun. I love this series so much. It is really great. (laughs) In spite of all the weird stuff going on. Yeah. The the, um, very gratuitous 
body shapes going on. Pikachu ends up getting distracted by a little Squirtle, and they have a whole conversation. Squirtle squirt, Pika Pika, Squirtle squirt for a while before the narrator steps in and decides to translate for us. Thank you, narrator. While this was happening, Ash and his company have left Pikachu behind. Whoops. Uh-oh. Yeah, this is very, um, the Pokemon are lost without the humans type of episode. The Island of the Giant Pokemon. Yeah. Did you notice the Gary cameo? Yeah, what was... Uh, okay, I did make a little note here because during the panel where Pikachu gets separated, there's a little Gary face and it's like pointing up at Squirtle. So my... I wrote here, it's is this Gary Squirtle? Because... Did Gary abandon his Squirtle? Right. I don't know why. Why was Gary's head there? Like, we have to conclude that's what's happening here, but that's really out of character and weird. But again, keep in mind, this isn't the Gary that we typically would know. That's true. We've hardly seen this Gary at all. This Squirtle, so this Squirtle is a very cynical Squirtle. He's basically telling Pikachu, well, pal, seems like you're out of luck because you're Pokemon or your human left you and before you know it they tell you they'll be gone for a day but then it's you know three days and a week and then eh, you're on your own so it just this squirtle seems very jaded and like cynical because gary abandoned it i mean what else what other implication is there why would he? there isn't that's the implication right why would his face be drawn there if not for gary so weird you know who else has been abandoned? Charmander on a rock holding a leaf. I know. Poor baby. He's so cute. The way they have drawn Charmander and Squirtle also. You know what Charmander reminded me of in this? Littlefoot in the oh, land before time. God. The way he was illustrated. Why'd you have to hit me right in the feels like that Austin? Sorry. That movie makes me cry as a grown ass person. I still cry when I think about that movie. You can join us for our Out of the Great Valley podcast, where we recap all the little Land Before Time movies. Out of the Tree Star. Ooh, the Tree Star. Okay. Oh my god, I fucking love Land Before Time. Oh man, okay. We basically hear, uh, is it Squirtle who brings up the Pokemon Village? So Squirtle, Charmander, and Pikachu are going to go off on a great journey to find the Pokemon Village, because Pikachu recalls that's where Ash is going. As we see through, like, his Pika vision image of Ash, (laughs) who's, like, a very crude drawing. Love it. Cut to five minutes later, Ash comes running down the road. Pikachu! Oh, I felt bad for him because he, you know, it's like a a realization moment. Like, oh, my God, my beloved friend is not with me. I left the child in the car. Oh, God. Please always check your back seats. PSA. Ash calls Misty on her flip phone, cell phone from a payphone. And says, is Pikachu with you? She's like, no. She has to go back. Well, I thought that was very sweet of Misty to go back with Ash. Yes. And leave Nipilika because this was high priority. Yeah, your friend is in trouble and they need your assistance. You're not going to just continue on. You're going to go help them. Good for mm-hmm. Misty. So the Twerps are basically gone for the most of this, for the most part. Mm-hmm. Because now we got the Pokemon going off and they meet Tommy. The long lost jungle boy. <laughs> this is such a weird, like you mentioned, this is a weird mashup of episodes. This is at least 10 episodes combined. Yeah. And honestly, it's very strange, but I actually commend him for how he put this together. Like, it's things you wouldn't think make sense together, but it somehow works in a weird way. I don't know. I don't know. It's like a greatest hits. It is. It's very weird. All right. Tommy's here as his mama Kangaskhan and her baby Kangaskhan. They join the party. 
Yes, Alex? Sorry, I just meant to uh, mention that we don't see Tommy's crazy-ass parents either. No, they're they're dead, hopefully. They died in the <laughs> plane crash. Okay. Let's pray they're dead. <laughs> they go off and they meet another Pokemon to add to their group. A talking Meowth. Oh, I wonder who that could be. A talking Meowth who takes them to a starving Jesse and James, who it turns out this whole time have been wandering the mountain range looking for the secret village. <laughs> seemingly for years. Yeah, because Giovanni told them to. We get a little vision of him. Oh, I missed it. I was kind of skimming through pretty fast at the end. Oh, no. Sorry. I missed Giovanni. Giovanni made an appearance. I think he was smoking his big, fat Cuban cigar. Shit, I'm going to have to go back and see this now. Okay. Okay, okay. Uh, Team Rocket's a lot more pitiful in this than I think they usually are, actually. Did I, did you get that vibe? Uh, yes and no. Mm-hmm. They seem their typical bumbling selves. I don't They have a different vibe to me than I think they usually do. Yeah. Maybe it's because maybe it's because of the illustration style that they look different. They don't. They're not as angular as they usually are. I mean, yeah. I mean, they're just. It's weird. I think it's weird because we haven't seen them interact with the main group yet. Like they're very mm-hmm. separate, off doing their own thing. Like obviously in the show, Ash met them early on when they attacked them in the Pokemon Center. But this, I mean, they've had entire adventures, like dozens of episodes in. That this material covers, and we still have not seen Jesse and James. Again, did, like, someone from Pokemon say, okay, you gotta get Jesse, James, and Meowth in there? Yes, it seems that way. Because why are they here all of a sudden? Well, again, to your point that you made very early on, the the longer we go through, the closer and closer it gets to the show. So they seem very shoehorned in at this point. Like, they could have easily not have included them. But what's funny is Gary Squirtle apparently has experience with these guys. Yeah, how does he know? <laughs> he recognizes Jesse, James, and Meowth as Team Rocket. How? And Pikachu's like, Team who? <laughs> so does that mean that Gary then, if we assume that this is Gary Squirtle, that Gary has had a interaction? Team Rocket has been dealing with Gary this whole time and not Ash. That's amazing. Oh, that there's been a timeline glitch. But I mean, it could be. It could be. I want to see that spin off. Holy crap. Okay. I want to know how why Gary abandoned his damn Squirtle. Questions for the ages. All right. So now it's going to be several days worth of traveling where the party is going off and they find Koga and his sister Aya. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they find the protesting Diglett at the Diglett Dam build. Who was that guy's name? I can't remember. the. the we gave him. He didn't have a name. We, we Foreman something. Oh, my God. Daniel Foreman. Daniel Foreman, yes. Oh, damn Unfortunately, it. he does not make an appearance. If Jacob was here. Uh, we see... There's this weird part where we see a giant Meowth head statue. It was, like, disembodied. It was weird. Was that, like, a call forward to the Meowth Cult Island episode? Oh, yeah. But that's, like, way... That's Orange Islands. That's way later. Yeah, that hasn't happened yet. Eventually, we get to the secret... Oh, yeah. Meanwhile, the twerps. Oh, yeah. Ash is so dehydrated from crying that Misty has to rehydrate him with the Starmie, but he ends up blasting off again. <laughs> Pan to Giselle watching this from inside the center and being like, oh, that looks like fun. Wish I could do that. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Meanwhile, the Pokemon have somehow... Re- oh, yeah. Kangaskhan has led them to the Pokemon village. So everyone's kind of going around. And is it at this point that they see Melanie? I thought of you immediately. Melanie, who is a beautiful blonde goddess. 
of a woman. That's how the Pokemon see her. Yes, they see her as a beautiful woman, but she's actually just Melanie. All right, let's pause here because I feel like we have a lot to say about this this aspect and uh of the melanie of it all yes it's completely it's a huge departure and i knew you okay context austin hates melanie (laughs) okay no i do not have we stated outright that every time we go off on our tangents and we're like melanie from the bulbasaur episode is a serial killer we're just goofing around of course that's we we're just extrapolating (laughs) being silly like that's the premise of what we're doing we've latched on to her she was the unfortunate (laughs) victim of our fake ire but it was funny in in the bulbasaur episode when we discussed melanie she finds ash and brock well Okay, let me back up. She's laid all these traps around her village. And Ash and Misty get caught up in the trap. Ash thinks that Brock has been killed by pirates. He hasn't. Whatever. So when we have talked about this several episodes over the course of this podcast, it, we've kind of joked that Melanie is like actually a serial killer who goes around killing innocent trainers <laughs> but there's no traps there's not a single trap to be found not in this version she's just a normal girl who lives in this valley i guess you know what's funny is Melanie's actually pretty cool in this yeah she's not at all like her show counterpart right first of all her design is a lot better yeah. like she's wearing overalls and stuff but it actually looks like an outfit that a human being would wear as opposed to what that giant ass bow and shit she was wearing in the show yeah no, none of that crap yeah uh <laughs> and the hidden pokemon village it's not a single log cabin with two or three oddish in a magic harp it's like actually a whole like you know substantial acreage with all sorts of different pokemon that she's clearly tended to their wounds so there's a wide variety of Pokemon. It's actually what they thought it was. If only we could go back and reimagine the show in the same way this has reimagined it. I think Toshihiro Ono had some similar thoughts to we did but in some of these episodes. he fucking hated Melanie. He's like, this will not stand. <laughs> I have to change this. She will now wear like a beautiful dress. Yes, exactly. In and, one panel. And she won't be a lunatic. Okay. Yeah. At this point, Jesse and James are like, it's time. So they send out Arbok and Weezing. Yeah, we don't... Oh, no, shit. No, they send out Coffee and Ekans. They evolve, though, don't they? In the next chapter. At some point, okay. Yep, they come out. Is this when Bulbasaur makes an appearance? Bulbasaur hits Jesse in the head with a leaf or something. Yeah, Bulbasaur's here, too. He doesn't talk, though. No. And a battle ensues, which primarily consists of... Uh, see, now we're getting into it. Now it's Team Rocket attacks and a battle ensues. But minus the twerps. Minus the twerps. Which is interesting. So far. So far. Kangaskhan and Pikachu blast them off. And who makes an appearance in their police helicopter? The actual Officer Jenny. <laughs> She's here. <laughs> this part was actually funny. There was some, this cute little panel, like visual gags going on I thought was fun. And then who appears now? <laughs> um, Who appears now? Oh, oh, okay. Well, actually. Your favorite, Alex. Hold on, just to clarify, the visual gags with Officer Jenny. She's in the helicopter. Team Rocket flies by. She tries to arrest them as they're flying through the air. It's funny. She's like, pull over. Yeah, pull over. <laughs> that was actually genuinely funny. Yeah, I, I got a laugh out of me. I was like, okay, that was funny. All right, so this is the best part. Oh my God. Can I just gush for a second? Okay, which character makes an appearance and redeems himself? Our absolute favorite. Damien, who left that Charmander right there on that rock. 
still has the fucking accent. Yeah, he does. (laughs) (laughs) But he's not a total a-hole. He has a legitimate reason why he left Charmander. He was in a coma. He got into an accident while shopping, and he was in the hospital for weeks. And that's why he couldn't come back for it. He explicitly says he was comatose. He was. And he was, he was like, beat up. So he comes to the valley. He's, like, got his, like, traveler stick. He's, like, leaning on it. He's got bandages. He's got, like, scrapes and bandages on his head. And he looks really terrible. Because I guess he, like, jumped out of the hospital and, like, immediately set off to find Charmander. Because if there's one thing we know about Damien, he's a great, nice guy who's yeah. fiercely loyal to his Charmander yes. and will put everything at risk to find it. Well, that's absolutely what he does in this because he also <laughs> mentions to Charmander, I knew you would be here, Charmander, that you would think that I left you and you would come to the Pokemon Valley. And I'm so glad to have found you. Oh my god, I was I was so tickled. It was, it was absurd. Oh my god. This is everything we wanted Damien to be in this show. <laughs> Speak for yourself. This is everything I wanted Damien to be in this show. What is with you and Damien? You love Damien. I don't know. Is it the accent? Is it the, I left that job, Amanda? Which is not even what he says. I know that's not even what he says. I know says. he doesn't actually say that. It's like <laughs> the top misattributed quote of all time. Like, Luke, I am your father. He doesn't say that. Or Beam Me Up, Scotty, which we referenced in our last episode. We're bad Star Trek fans. We know that he doesn't say that. I'm not a Star Trek fan. Well, yeah, he never says that. Sorry, this is just so wild. It's literally like, and then Tommy and Kangaskhan are there. And then Melanie is there. And then (laughs) Damien is there. So why do we think, okay, I have to ask, why do we think Toshihiro Ono wrote Damien like this as like a redeeming character? I don't know. It's really confusing because this is... Okay, we should just get into it. This is the Squirtle, Charmander, and Bulbasaur that we know. Um, but they're not. But they're not, because Pikachu leaves them behind at this village, and they never appear again. Which I have a note on the next chapter, specifically relating to this, which is so... It's... I'm glad you brought that up, because it's so weird that this is... Like you said, these are our starters that we know these are our starters they basically have the same stories and personalities that we know but they're not the ones that continue on it's so weird so strange (laughs) (laughs) okay all right keep going that oh that was great i loved it that was easily my favorite part all right nice guy damien pikachu heads back on his on his journey back to the pokemon center which he never should have fucking left in the first place if you're lost stay where you are Right, because you're just going to get in more trouble. Exactly. But no, he just, he heads back Mm -hmm. and he basically gets back without incident until he falls into a stream located within shouting distance of where Ash is. And, you know, they're reunited. Conveniently. Hooray! Yay! The journey back is never as exciting as the journey there. Ooh, that's very profound, Austin. As a storytelling technique. I mean, it makes sense because the whole journey there, it's like shit has to happen along the way for you to have character growth. And then you get to wherever your destination is you fulfilled your destiny and then there's no story after that who wants to have a whole nother story of them getting back nobody does why is it every time i think about like a journey it's always fucking lord of the rings because it's like the great western canon of fantasy (laughs) storytelling it is you're right it's like the epic saga we should watch that new amazon show okay i do want to watch it everybody's hating on it but i don't think it's as bad as people say 
Is it based on anything or is it completely original? I don't know. I feel like I should. Galadriel is the main character. Right. And she's played by a different actress, of right? Of course. She, it's, yeah. It's not Kate Blanchett. she's young. Yeah. I want to... Okay, anyway. Yeah. Okay. We'll watch Rings of Power and report back. <laughs> okay. That's our next episode podcast. This episode is done now. The chapter... No, the chapter, rather, is done. Okay. Okay, cool. That was easily the best one. Lots of shit happening. Lots of highlights. Lots of twists. Returning favorites and everything. All right, so this chapter four slash seven, is that what? Slash eight. Slash eight. Okay, I don't even know where we are. You gotta have friends. You gotta have friends. Okay. I know that's not the actual words. We should stop singing on this podcast. I've stopped singing. This is where it becomes like a one for one. This was the most boring chapter because it was it was pretty much the, the show. same. God, what does that say about us? We're like, this is the most boring one. It's the one closest to the TV show. Well, it, obviously we want to see new and exciting things. And if it's just a one for one, there's nothing really to talk about. Yeah, it's more interesting when there's a deviation and there's actual material to like discuss. This is eh. All right. So the biggest, most glaring thing is Misty. Which episode is this? Which episode are we adapting? The Pikachu's Goodbye or whatever episode. That's it. Yeah. So Misty's hair has completely changed color. She looks like a totally different person. She looks like Misty. Misty. Yeah. Before she looked completely different. She had black hair, totally different outfit, totally different style. Honestly, kind of different mannerisms too. But this Misty is our Misty that we know. And like you said, Brock and Ash have also kind of become more closely aligned to their show counterparts. Um, so Ash has been overworking Pikachu. They've been in battle after battle, and he collapsed from exhaustion. So they take him to a, a local Pokemon Center where we see Nurse Joy. Just Nurse Joy, not some chick with Pokeballs on her breast. Right. Just Nurse Joy. Not the other random lady that we saw talking about the badge ranking system or the random police officer. No, this is the one and only Nurse Joy. And she says, Ash, your Pikachu's fine physically, but psychologically it's stressed out. And so you need to take a vacation. Get some R&R. Which is actually new context. We didn't have that in the actual episode. No. Originally, they were just like out there for no reason. Right. So I'm kind of glad that we get a little bit of reasoning for why they're there. So they go out to the countryside to rest, relax, recharge, all this stuff. Pikachu's exploring around and he comes across a bush and a giant horde of Pikachus pop out from the bush. Ooh. A surge of Pikachu. A surge of Pikachus, yes. They're back. Super cute. They have a little bit of a meet and greet situation, but ultimately Pikachu is rejected. So sad. Because, oh, there's like a giant Pikachu, by the way. It's really cute. It's rejected, though, because they kind of postulate that it's like, oh, do they smell the human on them? Like you're a human-owned Pikachu and you're not allowed which is kind of, if I remember right, kind of the sort of the same thing that happens in the show. I remember in the show, Ash jumps out of the bushes and was like, hey, Pikachu, oh, yeah. did, he, did he do that here? I don't um, remember. I think he does. Yeah, I think he does a little bit. He's like, oh, I'll, I'll help you out, Pikachu. But then they run away. Okay. So they all, the Pikachu, surge of Pikachus run off and they're suddenly attacked by a very scary looking giant pincer. This thing looks insane. I think it's a trick. I think all he does is change the eyes so they're all black. Yeah. And it makes it look way scarier. Well, it's mouth, like the little, like... It's it's highly detailed. Yeah, the the mouth, like, Pinsir's already weird and it's got a scary mouth, but it's, like, got really sharp 
fangs instead of the flat whatever mouth situation Pinster has. So they get into a fight. Uh, I think they are able to fight off the Pinster, but during the scuffle, the small Pikachu with the little daisy on its head falls into the river and gets swept downstream to the waterfall. And just like in the show, Pikachu is able to rescue it and they form like that barrel of monkeys kind of chain to like grab the Pikachu before it gets killed. Meanwhile, Team Rocket is here again, as they are typically in every episode. They're spying on the horde of Pikachus and decide that they want to catch them for their circus act. Yawn. (laughs) This, okay. Again, I feel bad for saying this, but like you said, when it's the tired old shenanigans that we get in the show, it's the most boring. Well, it's funny because this is really the first chapter of the series where it's been like, Team Rocket has an evil scheme from the bushes. Yeah. We're so used to that that it's like, okay. Yeah, I mean, it's just, eh, it's not like the other, the chapters where there's like actual deviations and like, oh, that's different or that's new or whatever. Pikachu is celebrated as this hero and he goes off to party. For days. For days. And they're waiting around, Ash and everybody else, they're waiting around like, well, Ash, you know, let Pikachu enjoy his, like, friends. Like, he's never been with other Pikachu, and sometimes this stuff happens. So Ash is kind of being a little bit of a sore loser, kind of, and he's like, well, fine, I'll go play with my other Pokemon. I don't need Pikachu. Ooh, and what are his other Pokemon? So this is, this is what we were talking about. So we've got Fearless the Fero, an Oddish... Squirtle, Bulbasaur, and Charmander. But these are not the same. Squirtle, Bulbasaur, and Charmander. Because I wrote down, I made a little note. I said, is this different from Damien's? Because clearly Damien was a good guy who reunited with his Pokemon. Right. All these Pokemon he's caught happened off panel. This is not something we have any context for. I can't imagine it being the same Squirtle, Bulbasaur, and Charmander. It's, it can't be. It can't be because like they just like all start fighting and shooting at each other and at Ash for no reason. Right. I don't know where he would have gotten these from, but, like, Bulbasaur clearly stayed at the sanctuary to continue on with Melanie. Squirtle seemed too much of a free spirit. I can't imagine him going with Ash. And then Charmander was taken by Damien, so... Weird. They're just here now. Yeah, he's got the starters plus an Oddish. That's fun. Whatever happened to these other ones? Like, he's got Felix the Caterpie... Well, Felix the Butterfree now. Beedrill... I know we see Pidgeotto again. I don't think we ever see... If we see Beedrill or Butterfree again, I don't remember it. Okay. But I haven't read this in many, many, many years, so I could be wrong. We'll see if they recur. But I do okay. like have him having like new Pokemon that we don't see. He's got a much better team in this adaptation than he ever does in the show. Sorry. Wait, what? I mean, for now. I mean, when we get like Muck and Tauros and Kingler, I mean, they're really good. But he never uses them. Okay. It's a shame. I feel like it's a wasted potential. Ugh. Anyway. So Team Rocket then appears with their giant mecha bot and starts scooping up all the Pikachu. And they actually catch them in Pokeballs. Which, how does that work? Because I feel like once you catch them in a Pokeball, you're their rightful owner. Well, okay. Here's the thing. Ash says this is a protected area. Oh, he does. Okay. He specifically says you're not allowed to catch Pokemon here. Okay. So they are committing a crime. Got it. All right. So that makes sense. Plus, I don't think you're allowed to just like... Well, then again, I was going to say you can't just, like, throw Pokeballs in all directions with a cannon. But then I remembered that Go exists. <laughs> I mean. And I mean Go the character when I say that. Pokemon Go. I don't know. I mean, 
If it's a protected area, that's one thing. But if they catch a Pokemon, I mean, that's fair game. Protected area. Do you think there's a limit of how many Pokemon of, like, a certain breed or species that you could catch at once? Like, say, like, Ash, he caught 30 Tauros at one time. But do you think that there should be a limit? Like, in this area, you can only catch a maximum of three of these kind of Pokemon in a certain time frame. Um, let's ask Gary with his 200 Pokemon he has at the Oak Ranch. Gary, what do you have to say about this? <laughs> well, I'm thinking of it like fishermen, you know, when you go out and catch a fish, if it's under a certain size, you have to throw it back, something like that. Like, there's got to be some kind of rules and regulations. Like, you can't just catch up the entire colony of Pikachu because there's no breeding that can continue, you know, to propagate the species. Like, you just have to catch one and be done with it. Or you could pull a Paul and, like, release all your Pokemon when Ooh. they don't fit your standards. Ooh, don't get me too excited now. Okay, oh, don't my say God. Paul. Paul. Okay. Yee. Okay. <laughs> okay. Mufasa, Mufasa, Mufasa. All right. I don't have any other notes, really, after that, because all I said was they win the battle. Arbok and Weezing are there. Ash appears, wins, and then Pikachu runs off with his little Pikachu girlfriend. Pikachu was getting Pika-laid this whole time. Right. There's some Pichus out there. Yep. And Ash, so Ash and friends try to accept the fact that Pikachu's just not coming back. You know, he's gone to live with the wild Pikachus with his little girlfriend. And Brock has some nuggets of wisdom. He's like, Ash, you just have to accept that. It's about parting ways and, you know, making memories. And that's okay. Just kidding. But just kidding. Yeah. Ultimately, Pikachu comes back. And Ash and Pikachu are reunited. And there's a backing track of a nice touching song the time has come there i sang i hope you're happy if jacob was here he would remind us that he skipped that part of the show and didn't listen to it should i play that song to play us out or should i play the japanese equivalent which is good night my pikachu good night my pikachu yeah it's sung by rika matsumoto is pikachu dying what Good night. <laughs> it's like it good night, sounds like sweet it actually. prince, or something like that. It's like a lullaby, lull- oh, a lullaby for Pikachu. A lullaby. Okay, it's like nine thirty at night. It's time to go. Okay, so that's it. Pikachu and Ash are reunited, best friends forever, and then it says to be continued. Pokemon will return in whatever Pikachu Electric Boogaloo or something. Yep, Electric Pikachu Boogaloo. Oh, okay. <laughs> Pikachu 2, Electric Boogaloo. Pikachu 3, Electric Boogaloo. Ooh, that doesn't rhyme as good. No, it does not. This chapter, or this volume should have been named Electric Boogaloo. Pikachu shocks back. I mean, I get the Star Wars joke. I get it. Is that what that's supposed to be? Isn't it? Empire Strikes Back? Uh, sure, I guess. I mean, I guess that helps us because if we could do our, our naming convention for this one as the Star Wars instead of a Star Trek reference. Okay, we'll discuss it. Okay. All right. All right. So I'm playing Goodnight, my Pikachu, right now. All right. Real quick. Any final thoughts? Closing thoughts? I don't like how it's hewing closer in some aspects. I don't either. The diversions are, at this point, the most interesting parts. Well, if it continues on in the same vein, then it's going to be a one-for-one type situation in the next volume. There are some big differences coming up. All right. I don't remember this at all, the next one. I had some vague memories of this, but I don't know what's to come, so it'll be a surprise. A certain character named Richie is to come. Holy shit, I hope he's a lot better than the Richie in the show. He is. Oh, good. Does he know about elevators? <laughs> if he does, I don't recall that. <laughs> okay. 
next time Jacob will be rejoining us and he specifically said that he wants to finish up the Orange Islands episodes before we come back to this manga. Okay. So our next two episodes are The League. Wow. Hello, Pumalo, and Enter the Dragonite. All right, so that's what we got planned for next week. Yeah, so forget so forget everything we just talked about. We got to go some, do something else now. As always, we'd just like to say thank you so, so much for listening. We are glad you joined us today. And if you have any questions, please feel free or comments. Reach out to us at outofthedryingpan at gmail.com. Again, that's outofthedryingpan at gmail.com. Or follow us on Twitter at outofdryingpan. That is outofdryingpan. And leave five stars. And yes, leave five stars if you're inclined to do so. And a review. <laughs> We're always looking for feedback. Let us know if you actually like us to do these kind of sidebar type situations. We enjoy it, but do you guys? Let us know. Anyway, we will see you next week as the journey continues. <laughs>